Clayton, I'm excited to have you on the Power Driven podcast today. It was really cool a week or so ago after we had done the episode with Ryan Milliken. And he said, hey, you got to gotta check out, you know, Clayton, he sent me this message. It's, it's a great story. And I'm excited to have you on today because this is a, a different angle to kind of what we've been talking about with challenges and overcoming them. And, you know, some of the other guests have gone through that process in different ways already. And you're like right in the middle of it. You're, you know, or maybe just a little bit past the middle. And so I'm really excited to be able to hear your perspectives and, and your story and have you on today. Hey, Patrick. Yeah, first off, I'm definitely super excited to be here. Um, I've been listening to your channels uh, for, for quite a long time. And the first one that I heard, Ryan Milliken, it definitely hit home. And, and I just felt like it was worth telling him, like, hey, man, thank you so much for, for taking the time and sharing that. Because a lot of people, they don't like to share their personal side or even the negative side of things because it's, it's scary. You know, you don't want other people to think bad about you. But I mean, it's just part of it, and just like everybody has said, uh, it's most of the time just about, like, the highs, and nobody sees the lows. Yeah, exactly, and it's it's very interesting and inspirational, you know, like, I, that's a lot of my downtime, is I'm, I'm trying to find inspiration in, in different ways and in different people or things all the time, you know, and, and some of it has to do with the automotive industry, you know, partly, sometimes it's you know, other people or other podcasts or other things. So today's going to be really cool. And I wanted to, to start by having you introduce us to your story. So, you know, tell us about, you know, your journey as, as a, a you know, business owner, how you, how you got into the idea of, I want to start something like what, what happened before that? Sure. Yeah. So just, just a little recap, uh, my story is just a little different because I'm still, like you said, going right through the middle of everything. So a lot of people that have come on here are either, they're, they're usually at the end. Well, I'm right there in the middle, just like you said. So that means I still have a second job. Uh, I still have to have that to make ends meet. So work nine to five, come home, work another basically six, eight hours. Um, but just, just a little bit about me is I'm 28. I've been married for a little over three years. I was born and raised in Texas. I was born in Houston. I grew up in a little small town called Hockley. don't know if anybody is familiar with that, but it's literally out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, we grew up on some land. We didn't even have Internet because we lived so far out there. I mean, we had dial-up, but didn't even get Wi-Fi until probably in my 20s. Towards, towards the end of high school, of course, I had no clue what I was going to do. It's just kind of winging it. Um, but... My, my interest sparked with diesels because I pretty much grew up around diesels my entire life. We had a farm. We had tractors. So being that we didn't have a lot of money, we usually did most of our work on our own equipment and, and vehicles. And that actually, my first truck was a 95-12 valve that my dad actually had bought brand new right off the lot, which I think, what, back in the day it was, I don't know, twenty or 30000 for a truck like that. It'd be nice to have a time machine and go back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, most definitely. For the longest time, I had the window sticker, and I wish I still had that to this day, but but I don't. Because uh, the truck got sold once or twice throughout this process and whatnot, and we actually bought it back for me. Uh, but whenever I got it, it had around, I think, 200,000 miles on it. So it was still in, it was still young. The engine was young, but it still needed, you know, some maintenance issues here or there, which uh, most of the time I tried to do it myself. 
is still completely stock. Uh, of course, whenever whenever you first get it, I was young, so I was probably 16, I think I was. And, you know, as soon as you get your first vehicle, you've got to do something to it, anything to make it different. And one of the first things that I did, which a lot of people do, is uh, they, they swap out those mirrors, the second-gen mirrors to the third-gen mm-hmm. tow mirrors. And I think I, I removed the diff cover and painted the rear diff my favorite color blue, which, you know, that's part of my logo now, blue. And, of course... Whatever whatever young kid does that has a diesel, they want a little bit more power to be cool. And so, I may or may not have messed with the uh, with the star wheel and the fuel plate. <laughs> well, it's it's something that I think is really common in automotive in general. Like, there's been some guys I've chatted with recently, whether they're into like Can Ams or they're into you know LS cars or, or diesels. Is there's this independent streak with it? It's this can do. You know, I can do it. I'm going to work on it myself or just independence. And I can see you know, starting, you know, with very early on, you had that. Yeah, most definitely. And, and it, it was independence, but I was still learning as well. Cause you know, when you're young, you don't have the knowledge to do it. So of course I would always ask friends like, Hey, you know, would you help me? And they, they would share their knowledge. I would share my knowledge. And most of the time it was done in a barn or done in a field next to my parents' house. And um, I'm sure there's somebody that can relate that if you were to drop a bolt or a nut in the grass or something, I can't tell you how many hours that I lost trying to search (laughs) for that one nut, the one bolt or something. And, of course, every time I'd say I'm going to put a tarp or a piece of cardboard under it. You never do. You You don't have time for that, you know. My worst was I was doing something in the engine bay and I dropped a wrench and I didn't hear it hit the ground. And I'm like, oh man, <laughs> I, I try to find it. Yeah, most most definitely. And uh, toward towards the end of or the last few months of high school, my my dad actually passed away. So I was around 17, 18 at the time when it happened. Uh, cancer is actually what what killed him. And what's crazy is it only took him about two months or took it about two months to kill him. Um, Come to find out that it was some type of rare bone cancer. I can't remember the exact name of it right off the top of my head, Uh, but by the time they found it, it had already reached the highest stage, which I can't remember. It's it's stage four or five cancer, and it it just literally grabbed a hold of them and then took them just like that with, with hardly anything. And that, to this day, has definitely been the hardest part of my life so far. I've heard, um, you know, some stories and even, you know, personal ones or, you know, people around me where that's something that's very, it's very formative and, uh, hard. And I think, you know, hits home for all of us, especially at, you know, such a young age, you know, that, that you were, you know, just kind of getting ready to turn 18, you know, 18, 19, go out into the world. Yeah, exactly right. And it not only took a toll on me, but it took a big toll on my on my mom because they were married. They were married for a very long time, 20, 20 something years, if I'm not mistaken. And so you can imagine, you know, you have a best friend there and then all of a sudden, a couple months later, they're gone. So you can mm-hmm. only imagine what what it took on on her and her body. And uh, one of the things, you know, if anybody who's listening today if there's one thing that they take away from this, whether it be about diesels or not, or just my story, is make sure you tell your parents or whoever raised you that you love them because you never know when your time is coming. And like most young people, 
I took him for granted, you know. So he would always say, hey, come on, we got to go, you know, go mow this field. we got to go to the farm and work the cattle or something like that. And, of course, I would just rush through it so I could go do what I wanted to do, go hang out with friends or just go just go be young and dumb, you know. And, and I miss that so much. So definitely make sure you tell your parents and your family that you love them for sure. That's one of the biggest regrets I have of my youth is, is I, I felt, I felt invincible, like everything was perfect and nothing bad could happen. <clears throat> and I think, you know, when, when I lost my grandparents, um, I was about the same age. So I was like 17, 18. And I remember being a kid and like, I wanted to go play with toys or I wanted to play a video game or I was outside. And I think, man, if I could go back and just talk to them more, there's so much about their life that I wish I would have, I would have taken the time, but I just, like you said, I just felt like nothing bad could happen and everything was good, but that's a really good lesson and, and just something to keep in mind is, is those people around us that we value family and friends and things like that. And just not getting caught up like Corey Willis was talking about with the, like being self-aware, you know, knowing our reality mm-hmm. is, I think sometimes we put that, we don't want to think about that stuff, but yeah, that, um, that, that definitely hit home. Yeah, definitely. And, and I, to this day, I still remember the exact date. That's just one of those things that you'll never forget. It was November 17th, 2009. That day will always be with me. And every time it comes around, of course, it's, it's a very emotional time. And like you and Ryan had said previously uh, in the last one, is you asked somebody, or even me, how I made it through it. And, and honestly, I still don't have a clue. I have no idea how. I, I just did what needed to be done to get by and to get through it in my own way. I just kept pushing on and knew that I wasn't going to give up. Um, so since that day, I'm pretty sure that's where most of my strength came from and most of my, my willpower to keep going. Now at that time, say after that, and and you have this passion for for uh, diesels and, and automotive, and you're just getting ready to go out there in the world. What was did, did you just did you try try that then? Did you try to get into that, or, or what what sort of career path or professional path did you pick for after that? So after that, I, I still wasn't really sure just yet. I there was a few months left, and and. I was just going to wing it, you know, like I said earlier. Um, but I actually had a friend of mine who was talking about the oil field. I think his his brother was actually going into the going into the oil field. And so the money, of course, sounded great, and so did the schedule. The schedule sounded awesome because they work a rotational schedule. And so as, as that happened, I just went with it, and he got me a job, and that's what I did, went to the oil field and, and did that and actually went on land rigs for for about three years. And it was, I mostly worked in East Texas uh, in Louisiana, and that actually led me to a job offshore. And my offshore job career lasted around, I think, five years, give or take. Of course, whenever I moved out there, uh, I stayed, tried to on the maintenance side of things because just like at home, I like working on trucks. I like working on things, tinkering and fixing things. And the engines that I actually worked on out there, they were they were literally like two stories tall. And if anybody's familiar with it, I think the name of it were they were Man STX engines. And they were two stories tall. The pistons, I want to say, were about four and a half feet tall, standing up on their on the piston stand. 
and then Dexter's wow. were so so big that they <laughs> literally they're the size of your forearm, and we had to carry them up and down stairs. And so I think you could only carry, I want to say three or four at a time. They were so heavy. Wow, that's that. Uh, it kind of puts it in per in perspective, you know. With we see those pictures sometimes on Instagram, these huge engines and and stuff, and just to think of maintaining that probably the complexity and the, and the systems that you guys would need to have in place for everything, maintenance, parts, logistics. Right. Spare everything. So, I mean, I think each, uh, injector nozzle was just the injector nozzle by itself or the tips were, uh, like 10 or 15,000 a piece. And of course, being out there in the middle of the ocean, you had to have an abundance of them just in case anything were to go wrong. So, I mean, we had thousands of gallons of oil on there and, and fuel. So you can only imagine, like, how much space we had to have for that. And whenever you're on a rig, whenever you're offshore, the schedule that I was on was about 21 to 21. So you would work 21 days on, and then you'd actually get 21 days off, which was which was really cool. But you also had to work 12 hours a day no matter what. So there's no sick days, there's no holidays, or so nothing like that. It was 21 days straight of 12 hours of work, if not more, if you decided to work over, work over, or wanted to work over into another position. You know, you would do it on your own time. And thankfully, I, I worked my way up to a decent position on the maintenance side. Uh, when the oil field actually tanked, though, I got bumped all the way back to the lowest position. And at that point in time. I think that's what sparked my my want and need to do something better. I, I didn't want anything or anyone to determine what would happen to me in the future, so I didn't want anything to stand in my way and say, nope, you can't do this right now. I immediately felt like I had to do something else, and I think that's where my interest for the business actually started to grow. It's a very, very interesting point and something that I think – a lot of people can identify with, like when you said that, that was my experience, is um, after, well, I was a lot like you. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I, uh, you know, after high school, I went to college, got a four-year degree, still didn't know what I wanted to do. Got out, <laughs> and I'm like, well, I got this piece, this piece of paper. It doesn't do anything. And, and then, you know, construction at that time was really it, it was just, you know, going crazy. And I got into uh, project management and it was very similar where I had like this, it, it was fun. You know, it was, uh, it paid well, I, you know, I could, you know, buy things I wanted and trucks I wanted and stuff like that. And the moment for me was when I was around 2007, 2008. So when the, the recession hit and it's like, it was just all of a sudden I went from being comfortable, being able to do what I want to watching a company massively downsize and, you know, having to cut hours and everything. And I just, I felt so vulnerable and I'm like, I am not, I can't determine this. You know, I know with a, a worldwide recession or a national one, like there's a lot of industries hit, but it, it kind of planted the seed. And, and when you said that, you know, as far as going from a position you worked for to back down it, it it just it does something to you where it, it kind of gets the gear spinning a little bit right definitely and what's crazy is i had never planned or thought of that like yeah of course you always see other people and joke around like oh i really wish i had my own business or it'd really be nice to be them or be him uh but you just never thought it would be possible and then now here you are when you were going through that and say 
when those gears started spinning, did you think, I definitely want to do this one day, or I'm going to hold off for a little bit, think about it more, or, you know, did you just, did you jump right in, or what was that process like? So, I'm definitely a procrastinator when it comes to that, because you you think, oh, I want to do that, but then, like most people, I was thinking to myself, what's the process? How do I even get started? Because I didn't know anybody that, that had started their own business, or if I did, they were much older, and I didn't think that I could talk to them, I guess you could say, because they weren't in my age group. Um, so I definitely took the time and beat around the bush, like they always say. And I feel like one of the main reasons why I chose this industry, too, is because it's all I ever had. I What's what's kind of funny is I've never had a gas truck in my life. I, I take that back. I've had two. But my very first truck was that 9512 valve. And I've I go through trucks like water. I like change. I, I I can't hang on to the same thing. I gotta have something different. I get bored. And I've had about nine different trucks. Two of them were gas. One wasn't even drivable. I bought it just to uh, try to work on it and fix it. it. Just never happened. And the other one was uh, I think it was a Hemi. I had it for six to eight months, not even a full year. And I I think I pulled a, a little six by twelve U-Haul trailer with some with some furniture in it. And, man, the, the way the transmission shipped in that, the torque wasn't there. It was just miserable to drive. Any little hill, it would just downshift like two gears, and, and I had to get rid of it. It, it was <laughs> – I hated it. But now it got good mileage, and it was fun to, you know, zip around town in and for parking spots and, and all that. But just towing or just doing anything daily or towing-wise is just miserable to me. With uh, that's that's interesting. Is that when I first got a passion for for diesel trucks was I had it. I bought a Hemi as well. It was like it was an '04. I bought it brand new, and one of my friends, you know, you always have those guys that you're friends with that you get something, they got to get something better or different. And he bought a it was an '05 six liter, and like I thought that half ton was like the greatest thing ever, you know. And then <laughs> yeah. he puts like an SCT tuner on it and some other things. And I go for a ride and I'm like, what am I doing? Like it was within six months I had to have one. I had to have a diesel. Um, right, yeah. And it's just, it, it, it started, you know, it's just really kind of a hobby. You know, I, I didn't work on them. I didn't, I, I didn't, uh, it's never been a talent of mine. Like, if instructions say it'll take you 30 minutes, it'll take me an hour and a half and probably a phone call to a tech helpline to figure <laughs> something out, you know? Right. But it, it's it's cool to to see how that how that happens or or just what interest. And there's a lot of there's a lot of listeners that we've had that have said, um, you know, they've listened to these episodes and they don't know what a Cummins is or a Power Stroke, but they understand finding something and they have their own passions where it might have been you know, something completely different could have been, um, construction or something like that, or they love to build things or, or they were making, you know, something in electronics. And it's so cool to hear the the story behind how people find that interest in that hobby and then how it blossoms into something bigger. Right. Most definitely. And, and in my, in my book, there's no such thing as a stupid question, but I do believe that you should do, you should take a little bit of time to try and find the answer. Cause usually almost everything that I found when I was younger, uh, was from Google. And then Google would lead me to Cummins Forum. Cummins Forum was, was the number one place to be. It was almost like Facebook is today back then. 
and you would just get on there and, and be on there every single day, every night. And if there's an issue you're having with your truck, I promise you somebody else has had it or multiple people have had the same issue and there's multiple different answers. But it does take a little time and effort and some people don't have the time. So I definitely understand that. But that's just a little resource too if anybody wants to check that out. And also, uh, once I realized that I love tinkering and working on trucks, I, I didn't really realize that it could potentially become a career. But once I did, I decided to, to actually start pursuing it. And what's crazy is the drive that it takes to be a successful business owner is unique to, I think, each individual. And the reason why I say that is because Everyone has something that keeps them going. You know, everybody's got a different story, whether it be anger, they have sadness, or just competitiveness, or willpower and perseverance. Everybody's different, and, and they've got something that drives them. What was the first step that you did when you decided you want to pursue it? What was the first thing you did where you're like, I've started? The first step was the name, I think. I've always kind of liked the word dude. I've had dude in, since my very first email address when I, well, I don't even remember how, much, how old I was. It, it was way back whenever it was sbcglobal.net, and it had the word dude in it, and everybody's calling me that. And I wrote it on a little manila folder. My mom actually wrote it then, way back then, because I've always liked that name. And I would always joke about one day I'm going to start it and – I never thought that it would actually become a reality. And one of these day, one of the days, I was actually joking around with with the wife a little bit more than normal. And she was like, "You know what? If, if you're serious about this and you really want to give it a shot, I'll support you 100. percent Let's do it." And what was funny when she said that, I was like, "Oh crap! I don't I don't even know where to begin." Mm-hmm. What do you, how do you start a business? What's an LLC? What's a sole proprietorship? What What is that? What does that mean? And, you know, like anything or anybody, you go to Google for all the answers, right? So I went to Google, and I think it was, I want to say it was LegalZoom is what I used. Uh, you can do it much cheaper, of course, but, of course, they, they make it sound really good, like they know what they're doing. And so we paid a little bit more, but I think to start an LLC, it really only takes like a couple hundred bucks. But with LegalZoom, it, it costs anywhere between 600 to to 1000 bucks. but they, you know, file everything for you and make sure it's done correctly. Uh, but, but, yeah, that's where that started. I couldn't believe that once we had it, we, we, it was 2016 when I decided to go for it. And then by the time it was finalized, it was January of 2017. January 5th is whenever the name was actually legally business. So that that day was was a pretty awesome day for sure. And when you started it, when you know after you got everything put together, did you jump right in and make it full time, or did you start it as just something after you know a day job you would work on, or, or how did that start? Yeah, so there's definitely a big story behind that as well. So whenever I started it, I was still working offshore, and out there, uh, if, if you don't know or are not familiar with offshore, you're way out in the middle of the ocean. I was so far out in the middle of the ocean that we flew by helicopter. When you fly by helicopter that far, it took probably an hour and a half to two hours at times. There's literally a line 
if, if you're familiar with the Gulf of Mexico, it's nasty brown-looking salt water. When you're flying that far, there's literally, if you Google it, there is a, a line. It's not like a straight line. It's like a crooked, jaggedy line. But it literally turns from brown to blue. The craziest thing you've ever seen in your life, and it's real. <laughs> uh, but we'd fly that far out. There's n no cell phone service can reach. The only thing you can have is basically some Wi-Fi that uh, the ship makes or a company makes. And it's not even that good. You might as well just think of it as dial-up. And so if phone calls, you can try to make a phone call, but most of the time it would never go through with the rig phone. So most of the time you'd have to, you could sometimes get a text or, you know, Facebook Messenger would work. So going back and forth with that and help, trying to help customers, that was extremely difficult. But we, we made it work, and my wife, thankfully, didn't have to work at the time. So she was able to be like the, the middle person. So a customer would message us, or, or I would have messaged a customer back then, and I would rely on her to tell me what the customer said, and then I'd have to be like, okay, this is what I this is what I need you to say. And she's like, what is that? <laughs> and I'm like, you don't need to know what it is. I just need you to tell them this. And then I would have to tell her, like, okay, I need you to go look up, look up this product. And then I'd forget, like, you know, she's not really into in diesels per se. She wants to help me, but she that's just not her passion is knowing diesel parts and stuff like I do. So I'd forget and uh, we'd get into so many fights and have to, you know, calm ourselves down and be like, okay, look, I'll send you a link. This is what I need you to do. Give them these options and then let me know what they say. <laughs> and, and of course, sometimes you'd be out there in the middle of nowhere and if a storm comes, it's just like uh, satellite internet. If a storm comes, sometimes we'd go days. I think the most we went was like a week and a half without no communication with home. So you can imagine the customers that I was dealing with at that time really enjoyed that. But thankfully, uh, bless her soul, the wife was able to make it through that that long process and and help me with the business more than ever. If she hadn't have been there, we we would have never made it to where we are today. And at that point, I was still working offshore, but on my time home, I actually got into this process of talking to other business owners. I met one that owned uh, like a retail store there and we were talking and he was really interested in the e-commerce side of things. He was more just the retail and installation side of things. We we started talking and it, it, it sparked something in me because of course I was new to the business world. I wasn't really sure how the everything worked. And he was he made it sound great and he was guiding me and or at least I thought he was guiding me the right way. Now when um as far as balancing the time, did you feel you know, is I think of, you know, your way for, you know, twenty one days, there's you know, intermittent cell signal, you might not be able to, you know, follow up on things. And then you're back home for 21 days. So you can go all in, you know, did you find any frustration would build or how, how could you, was the balance hard? And I imagine it was, but you know, with this, this person who knew the, you know, the kind of the retail side, how did that change or direct the journey between, 
you know, doing something else for 21 days, being back home, trying to build this business for 21 days. Someone's got some advice and some answers. What happened after that? So after that, it, it was definitely hard to juggle. Um, whenever they say you're going to start a business, it's, it's nobody knows how much time you actually have to put into it. It's unreal the amount of time that you have to put into it. And it's pretty much you give up. At the time, I didn't know, but you pretty much give up all personal things you want to do. Your whole social life disappears. You end up not even knowing what day of the week it is or what time it is. My wife would even laugh at me because sometimes I'd be I'd be working when I was home, not paying attention. She'd come in and out, in and out every day, and then I would just be working all day every day just trying to, trying to make it happen. And one day, you know, she would stay home, and I would ask, like, hey, are you okay? Or, you know, what's, what's going on? Are you late for work? Or... And she would laugh at me and tell me it's Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> and I would have no clue. And my mind would just be blown. Like, what? I, it's like it was Monday, just yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to keep track of time when you got so much going on. Yeah, definitely. But through this process, that guy had actually brought up the idea that he wanted to create some kind of partnership together. So I was like, okay, I've worked offshore and in the oil field for quite a while. I was a big money saver. I didn't like to spend too much money, but every so often I would. I would have, you know, a few nice things here or there. One of the main things was I always like to have a nice truck. So we we had talked about it, and I think my my 401K, I had a little bit in savings, and I had a lot in 401K. I think I saved up around like 60000 would be what it would be if I were to cash it out that day. And to me... I was ready to go all in at this point because this guy made it sound, you know, awesome. Like he knew what he was doing. He's going to help take care of me, make me successful. And I bought into it. And I'm an extremely hard person to sell to, or at least I thought I was. Uh, But this guy was actually turned out to be uh, a bad guy. And he has done this multiple times to, to a few people, and I didn't know about it at the time until it was already too late. So what I did was I, I literally invested everything I had, my, all of my 401K and what little I had um, in my savings. I did have a little extra money saved up just to help me last, like, I want to say six months or so. And so I was I, I did that. We, we got together. I paid them the money. We signed some contracts that I thought were good contracts, you know, by all means, I'll take the time to tell you now, don't use Rocket Lawyer. Don't just get contracts off the Internet because I promise you they, they, they will bite you in the end. Take the time. Go talk to a lawyer. You're going to hate what the lawyers tell you, the, the prices and, and the extensiveness of the contract. But it will save you in the end, and it's just something that I wish I would have I known. You know, And a few people told me, like, you need to do this, but whenever you think you know everything, you're, you know, I got this. I, what, it's not going to happen to me. It may have happened to you, but it won't happen to me, right? right. So after after dealing with him for probably two to four months, and he kept beating around the bush, we tried to buy a shop together, which we, we did. We got a shop finally, but the money that I invested was supposed to go to filling out everything. You know, every piece of shop equipment that, that you need to run a shop is what it should have went to. And it didn't. He would only invest 
a few thousand here and there, and by that time, it was already in the negative. So, and it drives me crazy because I'm so money conscious. Uh, I always stay on top of the bills. I guess it's kind of like OCD. I always have to know, like, okay, this is what comes out. This is what we have to have. Because with me, uh, I use a credit card just like a debit card. I, I use it on the credit card for points. I pay it off before the end of the month. That's just how I am. I don't know why. I guess it's a good thing. But so we did that. He started doing that more and more, and then all of a sudden getting a hold of him was just hard. He would quit coming around, um, and the employees that we hired, they weren't getting paid, and so I was trying to pay them out of, out of my pocket. It just wasn't, wasn't working, so I finally was like, i, I got to do something. What do we do? I actually went and talked to a lawyer finally. And even with talking to the lawyer, they recommended that I take them to court, of course, but I knew that that wasn't going to be cheap. But in my mind, I thought it was going to be easy. So I was like, yeah, let's, let's, let's get them. Let's sue them. Let's get what's mine. Well, it was like ten or 15000 more dollars on lawyer fees. I think it took about two years of fighting that battle. It, it, it put so much strain on my life, my marriage, my work and the business, but I can't tell you how many times I thought that I was going to lose it, not only mentally, but physically. It it was unreal. And of course, being new and young to the business world, I had no idea what a lawsuit would entail. So I thought that it was going to be a quick process, right? You go there, I had all the proof in the world. This is what's mine, give it to me. I was thinking a a few months. Because I didn't do anything wrong. I had all the evidence against him. And throughout this whole two-year process, uh, or one and a half to two years, I ended up doing the bare minimum for the business. I wouldn't even push for it because I was new to the whole lawsuit and litigation process. Your mind goes to some crazy places when you don't know it. It almost makes, like, its own truth, I guess you could say. So in my mind, I didn't know if I was going to lose everything I had, including the business, my house, my vehicles, or whatever else. I damn sure thought I was going to lose my marriage through this process. So I didn't want to put a lot of effort into it for me to just lose it. So for one and a half to two years, I didn't do anything with it. I just, whatever people came to me, whatever customers came is what I would help with, and that was about it. Um, Throughout the whole process, like you guys were talking in the last podcast, I found myself drinking more and more to the point of I needed to drink almost every day just to get that what it, one to two hours of a buzz feeling, just to feel good. And like Corey said, to go into that alternate reality. Not to mention that the short temper that I gained from being angry and scared to death the entire time. So this is probably the second hardest thing I've ever done was I I prayed a lot after sitting down and going over everything, talking with family, friends, the wife, anybody that would that would spend a little time with me to talk about it. We decided that it just it wasn't worth it anymore. And I talked to a few people in it, in the industry that said, "Clayton, with the way you run your business, the way you handle your customers, you're going to become successful one day somehow. It may not be today, it may not be a year from now." But it's going to happen. And I think that you can earn that money that you lost double. You just have to give it time. And 
in my mind, I was thinking, that means I'm giving up, right? Well, that doesn't mean you're giving up. You're actually being smart, I guess you could say about it, and responsible and making a decision uh, that it's not worth your time anymore. You're just, it's a lost cause. Move on. Just go do something else. Just like Ryan was talking about, don't give up. Just because that happened doesn't mean you give up. Keep going. And, of course, that guy, he had all kinds of hidden assets. So even if I were to keep going, I would have never got anything back anyway. It would have just cost me more in the long run. And at that point in time, in order to help recoup and gain some money back, we literally sold everything. We sold all the toys we had. I had a motorcycle. I had, you know, some other toys, some other assets, some other trucks. We literally sold everything to help pay off or to regain some of that money back and to help keep the business going, which my wife was at the time was like, you're crazy. Why do you, why do you want to keep going with this business, you know? I, I truly believed in it, and she saw that I truly did have a passion for it, even still after that. And so she said, okay. I'll still support you 100%. I know what you're capable of, and I know you can do this. And if it wasn't for her, oh, man, I'm pretty sure I'd be in a, a much worse place than I, than I am now. Um, what was crazy, once I walked away and started with literally nothing again, started from the bottom, it, it literally felt like a, a weight was lifted off my shoulders. My personality began to come back. Uh, my love for things would start to shine through. I would smile more, stop drinking as much. It was, it was nice. I can't, can't tell you what, what the feeling was. It's something that you, that you mentioned is, it was a lesson I learned sort of the hard way. And because I always thought, you know, rewind years, I always thought these people that I knew were successful just somehow had like the golden ticket. And, they just, the first time they tried something, they found it, and that they, they were just successful. And I was talking to uh, a friend of mine um, who's an entrepreneur as well, and, and I asked that question. I'm like, why, why can't I find this? Why, you know, why are these things that I'm trying, they're just, they're either not working or it's not going as fast, and I don't even know if this is the right direction. And she was telling me about a conversation she had with someone who owns one of the largest e-commerce platforms in the world. And there was, I don't know if it was a conference or something like that, that they were at. And before they started that company, they had like seven other businesses and they all failed. They all failed like hard. And I remember hearing that and I thought, okay, well this thing's massively successful. Everyone knows, you know, the name of it. But he didn't just hit the golden ticket the first time. Like, you know, he had some ski business and some other thing. And it was like, it was a story that I think we can all identify with where there's not a lot of money. It's putting strain on, you know, the, the person, their relationships, their friendships, their life. And he had to go through that like seven times, six or seven times, however many it was. And then they found it. And so when you were talking about that, how, you know, it's starting over it can be seen as a failure. I think, I think it's natural for all of us to think that I've done that as well. And I felt like a failure, but it's really an adaptation more so than a failure. I think. Right. I, I agree a hundred percent. And what's crazy. And even to this day, I mean, I'm still planning it. Don't get me wrong. And 
baby. If you listen to this, I promise it's going to happen. <laughs> we, we we still have not taken our honeymoon. So we got married in the middle of all of this, right? Wow. A newlywed, new business, um, going through a lawsuit. Oh, my God. You can only imagine the stress. I don't know how she stood by my side, but she did. And I'm so thankful that she did because without her, I'm definitely nothing. She's truly my soulmate. And so we're, we're still trying to plan the honeymoon. We're actually trying to do something here now that we're able to have a little bit more time, a little bit more money here and there. Uh, if, it, if it wasn't for her, family, and friends, there's no telling where I'd be right now. Just like Ryan was saying, you know, whenever you reach the absolute lowest you can go, there are two options you have. You can either give up and quit or understand that there's only one way from this point, and that's up. You can only go up from there once you reach the bottom, right? It's true. And the hard part, I think, as well, starting an endeavor is to know what is the bottom. Because there can be a series of them. Like, you think you hit rock bottom? No, there's more. And then you're like, okay, well, this is rock bottom. Oh, no, there's a few more. There's a few more, and you're going to find out here shortly. But that's, uh, you know, listening to your story, it's it's very powerful because I think 99.9% of people would, would have quit. They would have stopped. I think, you know, at some point in there, it would have been like, this isn't worth it. But that's what I wanted to ask you about now is where where are you at now in this journey? And, and right before I get to that, I, I do want to talk about one thing. And I think it's very important to this is the way that I was able to get more drive and inspiration was I was at the bottom. I I had nothing else left to lose, so why not just do something out of my comfort zone? So what I actually started doing was I would start messaging people who, in my eyes, I thought were successful. I would message them and just be like, hey, I want to hear your story. I want you to start with the, the struggles and the failures first. And just by asking that question, a lot of people were like, well, that's weird. Usually just people ask me, how did you make it? How did you get mm-hmm. to the top? And start from there. But I wanted to hear the struggles first, the failures, because that's where I was at that point in time. And a lot of people would take the time and do that, but a lot of people wouldn't even give me the time of day. And I've gotten a lot of, uh, I would call it the middle finger, because they would see me as competition and, and didn't want to help anybody. But the ones who actually took the time and, it, and told me their story, it was great. And it that's what kept me going. And the ones that would say, no or just not even respond or leave it on red that just gave me more drive to go okay well i'm going to ask two or ten more people today just because of that i'm I'm determined once i got that little bit of hope it was on i was going to keep going and running with it no matter what and thankfully it, it it helped and i think that was one of the main things knowing that other people were struggling or went through the struggles kept me going which is why i felt the need to to message you and to message Ryan about this. And I told him, thank you for sharing that. And not very many people are willing to do that. And and that hit home. Uh, but at where I'm at in the journey now, I don't, it's, it's so hard to even pick a place to begin. I've come so far. It feels like, it feels like it's been an eternity because when you own a business, it ages you. It, it's, it's unreal. It's, it's truly a hundred percent true when you own a business. You pretty much kiss your social life goodbye. You don't know the hours. You'll be working, and the next thing you know, like they said in the previous podcast, 
everybody's gone home, and you're like, where the hell are all my employees? <laughs> and then you realize it's 10 or 11 o'clock at night, and you're like, oh, okay. But so where I am now, uh, I actually have two amazing employees, Mike and Joe, who whenever I was talking to them, at the time it was a joke. I mentioned to them, like, if if I were to hire somebody, it would be just like you guys. And what was crazy was they were – they they actually were like, yeah, I would love to do something like this within the industry. Uh, this is what I'm passionate about. I love love to work on my own trucks. I love to help people, love to talk to people about it. They were extremely social. And I actually found them on a forum. And what, what sparked my interest is they would actually give responses just like I would. So very in-depth, very in-detail. They They just sounded friendly. You could you knew that if you were to talk to them on the phone that they would just be amazing to talk to. They talk just like they talk on the uh, on the forums through a message. And so that, that just really sparked my interest. So I just kind of barely mentioned it to them, and they, they actually both said, yeah, I'd give it a shot. And, of course, I was like, whoa, okay, yeah. So I was like, okay, Google, how do I hire an employee legally? <laughs> so, so I had to, of course, you know, go – go to a lawyer they did all that for me in the process good lord it took a long time just to get those guys hired on you know legally for for their protection for my protection but they stuck through it man they they stood by my side and were like well, we want to come work for you or work with you uh and it worked worked out great and they've they've been amazing so far uh they they're not full-time yet they both still have two jobs or another second job, just like I do. So we're still growing the company, still making it work. They're still putting in their 40 hours, 50 hours a day, plus another 40 to 50 hours a night working on the forums, plus uh, the weekends. They're giving it 300%. And a shout-out goes to them for sure, because if it wasn't for them, I couldn't even be here. Because DDP is growing slowly but surely, and some days – you have those days where you're just tied up doing certain things and I had nobody to rely on. And now I can rely on them 100%. I know that the business is going to be in, in good hands whenever I have to disappear for a while or go go to meetings or do something with my other job. They've got it in full. They're, they run the business exactly how I want it to be ran, no questions asked. And I, I know without a doubt that if I had to leave even for a week, I wouldn't have anything to worry about. And what's crazy is the business actually makes just enough to pay like a small salary. But from what I've learned over the years is you want to keep investing in it in itself to help it grow. Investing in like spot, like form sponsorships. Um, I, I never really got into advertising yet until I just recently found out that you pretty much need advertising. So I'm a little late to that game. So anybody who doesn't invest in advertising, it, it's worth it. Is it expensive? Yes. Does it look like you're going to get your money back? No, because sometimes you don't. It takes a while. Even if you just start off with a couple hundred bucks, or not even that, just say 50 bucks. If you start off with 50 bucks, throw it on Facebook ads. Throw it on Google or something like that. If you just make one sale and it makes you 50 bucks, you broke even, You're you're good. Go to the next one, and then each month just help it grow. And one of the main things was with the website. The website was exponentially expensive. 
so I definitely invested a lot of money in that because you want a good-looking website for people to come to and visit. So that's where most of it went was, was the website. And it was so hard to see all that money disappear, but I think it was pretty well worth it now. Those are, those are really good points because I think, you know, probably looking back at your story and the things that you went through, at this point, these challenges, I, I bet, seem smaller. You know, because you've already been through the, the, you know, the trials and tribulations to where now it's like, yeah, it's, you know, advertising money, different budgets, different things, the pace at which it grows. If you wouldn't have experienced the things before, these might be bigger challenges that they might you know slow you down a bit but the the things you went through i think made it to where you know you could see these opportunities and these lessons and just power through them right uh, agreed 100 percent. i i used to have regrets on everything but the older i get i i realize that if none of those things would have happened i wouldn't be the person i am today i wouldn't be where i am today I probably wouldn't even be with my wife today if none of that happened. So even though that those were major, major things that happened in my life, down to my dad passing away, it, it all makes you who you are today. And you got to take it with, with pride, and you just have to, to go with it. Just keep going. Just go around those obstacles. Go right through them. Don't let them stop you. And I, I truly believe that everything happens for a reason. I know it happens for a reason. So with your, you know, your next steps, is it, it, I think you're in a good, a good spot, a good place. You've got, you know, you got some help. You got the perspective. What's your next goal with your business? The next goal I feel like is going to be just to keep growing, you know, and getting our name in the industry. It's, it's slowly getting out there. We're not the biggest company in the world which I'm not planning to ever be the biggest company in the world, but if it happens, it happens. Uh, Our plan isn't to get rich. All we want to do is just to be able to do it full-time, just to do our passion, even if it pays us a low salary. (laughs) We would just be tickled to death about that, you know. We just want to be able to do it with nothing else to distract us anymore. And our goal is to always make sure that we truly earn everybody's business we don't want to make any customers feel rushed or pressured into buying something, which, you know, there's some companies out there that just are out there to make a sale. And that's probably one of the reasons why we aren't rich yet, because we actually try to take the time and spend 15 to 30 minutes on the phone with people and, and truly try to get to know them, know their problems, their struggles, and or even what they do with the truck and not just throw out, oh, well, you need to do this, you need to do that. We, we try to learn what, what's best for them truly. Uh, one of the things that I also want to mention is we do spend that amount of time on the phone with the customer, and now that everybody knows that I have a second job, as well as the employees, you know, Mike and Joe, I hope that that helps explain a little bit about why sometimes we'll get phone calls and we can't answer, or it takes us a couple hours to get back to them, and they get upset or they, they say, oh, well, we went somewhere else. Well, I hope this puts it into just a little bit better perspective as as to why it does take us so long. But I promise you, if you leave a voicemail or send an email, it'll be 24 hours or less. We're going to get back to you. It may be midnight because I usually work till midnight or 1 o'clock, and I have to make myself go to bed because I never realized or thought that I would be a workaholic. 
I am truly a workaholic, and my wife will tell you that because, I, I mean, I will literally skip dinner. I'll skip going places just to keep working on the business. If we're in the car, I'm on the phone trying to make sure customers are taken care of, uh, working on the website. It's it's an addiction. It's crazy that it can be an addiction, and it's hard to believe that you can be in love with something so much and so hard. And that's I, that's how I truly know I'm passionate about it because sometimes it just it makes me so sick because I don't even get enough sleep. I probably sleep four or five hours a day, but I, I enjoy it, and my body will tell me, hey, you need to shut down this weekend. You need to shut down for eight hours and, and get an actual full eight to ten hours of sleep. <laughs> um, but but one, of the, one of the lessons, too, that I learned is we actually had two websites. The first website we bought, it was, it was fairly expensive, but if you're going to be a new business owner and just starting out, I don't think you truly need that expensive of a website. You can, you know, just make a simple website. The SEO will come once your name gets out there, once you start creating some links and stuff like that. The, uh, I think the mobility too, the adaptability that you have as a, as a business and, and the, the group that you have together is you can weather a lot of, a lot of storms that big companies struggle with. And I think that's a, another part of, of this story is, we jump into things sometimes we think i want to be the biggest you know the the best have the largest you know infrastructure that's what i'm going towards and that doesn't happen quickly you know a lot of companies sometimes they spend a decade you know building up in in what they are but there's a certain amount of adaptability and mobility that you have that large companies may not have so if you know someone has to wait 30 minutes or an hour or two hours or, or whatever it might be, you can adapt with changes and things that are going on. And that's a strength that I think new, newer type businesses have that sometimes might be overlooked is how quickly you can change to something or you can, um, you know, add something to the site. Whereas say with a large company, it, it might take a week. It might take a few days. It, 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 there's a lot more people involved and, and that's definitely an asset that I've heard, you know, people talk about is, you know, sometimes through the process, I forgot that, you know, these things that, that could be perceived as weaknesses are actually strengths. How quickly I can do something, how quickly I can add something I can do, you know, work at nine thirty at night and get back to someone when phones are off other places. Yeah, that, that is very true. And I'm glad you brought that up too, because I was always worried, of course, just like everybody or some people, not everybody is, but when I first started out, I would always worry about what other people thought. So I was always like, man, I can't afford this big, awesome website. I, I can't afford to go out and go, oh, I want to go review this product. But in order to review that product and make a video, well, guess what? You have to buy that product because most of the time you're not big enough to, uh, to get it sponsored, to, to give it to you for free. And so I thought a big weakness was that, I, I wasn't able to get loans and stuff like that. So a lot of this we did from our pockets. I literally invested the rest of the cash that I had into the business, mm-hmm. everything, put it in there. And my mother-in-law actually was like, you need to step back and look. Just step back a little bit and look at the picture. And, and you, your weakness or what you think is a weakness is actually a strength because you didn't have to have all these loans. You didn't have to go get investors. Look at this piece of paper. What does it say? It says, Clayton, 
Clayton Insminger, you are 100% ownership of Dude's Diesel Performance. She said, not very many people can say that. And after that, you know, I kind of sat back and looked at it and, and agreed. And one of the things that uh, Corey said was that you need to sit back and actually enjoy the climb. Don't don't reach the top and too soon, you know, enjoy the climb and on what's happening and the struggles that you're going through right now and each little goal that you do, look back at it and celebrate it. Don't just keep going for the next one. Well keep going for the next one, but don't don't forget what it took to get to uh to get to it. And make sure you always are thankful and and be appreciative of where you've gotten because once you get to the top, you're going to be so busy, you're not going to be able to have time to even look and, and see your little accomplishments. You're going to be reaching for the next biggest goal. You know what I mean? Yeah, it it, it, it definitely changes. Like if you think to social media and say creating an Instagram page and you have zero followers and you hit 100, it's like, well, I got 100 people that want to see what I post. They want to see the content and you're excited and then the target moves and it's 500 and that's 1,000. That's 5,000. Now it's 10. And then before you know it, you're shooting for 20, 30, 100,000, 500,000, a million fans, whatever it might be. And that translates into profits. It translates into, you know, buying a building. It translates into having inventory, all those things. And it, it, it almost, it's, it's like the entrepreneur's curse, right? Is you have to be driven and passionate and have this vision and you get so focused on it and hitting these goals. And that's it's crucial, but it's nice and, and I think needed too to stop sometimes and celebrate it. You know, stop sometimes and go, wow, we you know we hit this mark, we we did this in sales, we you know brought on this new person, uh, whatever it is. It it can be hard to remember to celebrate the victories. Right, yeah, I one hundred percent agreed again. There's a lot of there's a lot so many things that Corey was talking about that that I was sitting back and I'm like I never thought of that I never thought of that well I never had that perspective on it so it was I've gone back a few times and just listened to the things that you know, him or Ryan or you know even this one that there's just each story is so unique and so different and that's what uh that's what we hope to be able to tell and, and have you know anyone who's listening hear it and think I'm right in the situation that Clayton just described, or I'm getting ready to think about doing this. And I never thought, how am I going to have you know, this partnership uh, put together or how am I going to hire this employee? Or what if the stress does start to become too much? How am I going to release it? How am I going to have my downtime? What is it going to be? And think about these things beforehand. Right, exactly. And, and just like Corey had said, which I do the same thing right now. And I wish I would have, done it sooner i know i'm young as is 28 is nothing but if if you own a business or if you even don't own a business and you're you just have something that takes up a lot of your time whether it be a hobby or like you guys were talking about sports or, or anything like that make sure you have family time that's one thing that i don't do enough i i truly know that i don't give enough attention to my wife my family because i'm I'm like a hermit, you know, people don't realize what it takes, the sacrifices to run a business and to make it look like everything is going smoothly. 
it takes, you know, missing, not going to the lake, not going outside, not being able to wash your truck because the weekends, you're thankful for the weekends only because that's your catch-up days. You can't even go get a haircut. If you go get a haircut, you know that your your phone's going to be ringing off the hook. You got to try to talk to somebody while doing that. And if, or if you if you put the phone down for a weekend when you come back, there's going to be so many messages that there you just can't catch back up. So I, I definitely believe that you need to spend time with family, make time. And my wife has been a big help with me on that because I'm a workaholic. I'll work nonstop, and she'll actually grab my phone. She, of course, she'll make sure I'm at least caught up. She'll she'll grab it, she'll take it, put it in the bedroom or somewhere, and she'll be like, "Come on, let's let's just go drive somewhere." Because I I love driving. I'll just jump in the truck, and we used to just pick a direction and go. Don't care where we went. We just stay at a hotel or something like that, and and just do that for the weekend, and then come back. And I'm definitely working on getting back there again. So hopefully hopefully soon it'll happen. And thanks to Mike and Joe, they're allowing me to do that more because they're taking some of the workload off of me now that I, I, I can trust them that I'm able to do things like that. But like anything, it takes sacrifice to, to get it going. Just like they said, you know, you created this monster. Now you need help managing the monster. Yep. Yep. Well, it was, it was fantastic to, <clears throat> to hear your story and, and I appreciate you reaching out to you know, Ryan and, and myself and, and, uh, you know, telling us about it and just, you know, going through the whole process from, you know, when you were younger till now and stay in touch with us. Let us know, you know, when, when you go through, you know, these next phases and, and things that you have planned some other lessons you learn, you know, once, once, you know, you're, you're growing and expanding and, and doing these things because there's, this is a whole lifelong, you know, kind of process, you know, in business. And it's my passion is learning what drives people. And, you know, even though, you know, I love trucks and there's a lot of different things I love. The biggest one is hearing the stories because it's, that's, that's what makes these things, you know, we see these big buildings and signs and these household names or these athletes or musicians or whatever they might be, but there's a whole amazing story behind it. It's not always, you know, highs, there's a lot of lows, but we can all identify with it. So again, I appreciate you reaching out, you know, telling us your story and giving a lot of value for people that, uh, you know, whether they're starting a business or not, maybe they're just going through a difficult time the the things that uh that you went through we're going to experience in day-to-day life i appreciate it yeah and it, it's definitely been a pleasure to be on here i've listened to you for years and just you know like i was telling you earlier i'm a procrastinator i've wanted to to stand up and do something and and come on here but i just never did because i didn't think that i would have any value in the way that ryan described it and in the way that you talked about it it, it just Man, it just made me feel like I was on top of the world. Like we we need to hear this. People need to hear this, and it was definitely my pleasure too. And and I hope that just just one person. I know everybody says that, but it's true. If if this helps one person, then all my nervousness and and my my nervousness to be on the podcast and everything will have made it worth it. And and I am truly glad. And I love to hear from people that that it hits home to. If it does message me shoot me shoot me what you thought about it even if it's bad 